Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today it's a joy to have with us again uh, Mary Trump. Mary, uh, the niece of the president, Donald J. Trump, and the <laughs> author of a book about Donald J. Trump is here to talk to us a little bit about the last few days of the election and what she's seen and what she expects going ahead. So stick around and we'll be right back. Hi, and we're back. This is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And with me today, as I said, is Mary Trump. And Mary, since the title of the, the show is Just Ask the Question, here I go. I'm just going to ask you the question. What do you think so Donald's chances are in the election? You've got less than a week. I'm still traumatized from 2016. So. <laughs> well, we all are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, any sane person should be. So uh, although I'm not going to predict anything, um, and I'm not even going to say that I feel confident. What I will say is that the early voting numbers give me hope. Um, the, on the one hand, the long lines and the long wait times are a, an incredible indictment of our crumbling democracy. But on the right. other hand, a huge testament to um, the dedication and patriotism of, of the voters. And I just... I, I think that that bodes well. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not looking at polls. I've, I've given up on polls because I'm so, I don't even know why we have national polls. They're freaking irrelevant. You right. know, somebody, a Democrat could win by 9 million votes and still lose the electoral college. So like, we just need to look at uh, battleground states. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think there's so much moat. It's not even motivation. It's like, passion you know and and i have to thank mitch mcconnell which is something i never thought i'd say <laughs> for making one of the biggest strategic blunders of his grotesque career um not hanging on to that nomination until the lame duck session was even for him breathtakingly stupid so thank you, Mitch McConnell, for giving even more energy to our side. Uh, because that motivates Democrats to get out and vote. Yeah, because you know what? Um, Republicans don't, well, most people don't understand court packing, court expansion. All they understand is 6-3 majority. What do we need to worry about anymore? Right. Do you think as we go, I, I guess, you know, the president better than I, although I've, I guess I've been in closer proximity to him over the last four years than you. But yeah, when you look at his behavior, when he threatened to uh, leave the country if he lost, and today he was musing about uh, assassination of, of Joe Biden, um, is that normal behavior for him? Do you, do you think he would leave the country? Normal behavior for him. Yeah, for um, him. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I did preface that. With <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> well done. Because yeah, um, well, it's really weird. Uh, on the one hand, a couple of weeks ago, Donald was um, describing Vice President Biden as like the worst ca worst candidate in history. And if Donald lost to him, it would make Donald look really bad. I'm like, that's a really interesting way to set yourself up for failure. Um, so, you know, it either makes your loss really- Pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> And it makes a win me not so much because, oh, hooray, I just beat the worst candidate in the history of candidates. So, so 
and then the 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 leaving the country thing too it's like and (laughs) hooray like you know i will go to a boat parade for that for sure (laughs) so um i can't see him really leaving the country though seriously i i think he'd try to cut a deal if he loses because he's got all this debt that's piled up that's he's got to pay off oh somebody's going to own his ass that's for sure well, well, or they already do. That's that's the other you know. good point. I mean, like in a way that's uh, that's that's really going to hurt. More um, substantial. <laughs> I mean, I because I don't see him. I know he could limit that or, or buy the debt down if he was were to sell off some of his assets. But I don't see him selling off any assets. That would be for him too painful to do. But and also, can, I'm not sure he can. Really? Uh, because of the way they're leveraged. Because of. Um, the scrutiny he's going to be under because of all the tax fraud, tax evasion, and money laundering. Um, it was a weird thing to hear him say, though, because it it was a it, it, almost an admission that he might have to. Um, not con- I think he said it as, if this happens, then I'm going to punish all of you by leaving the country. Yeah. Right, um, but that's not how most people take it. Um, most people take it as, like, first of all, it's a it's an unexpected gift, and secondly, it's it's a I'm sure unconscious concession that he's worried. Um, you think he's worried? Oh yeah, on unconsciously, I absolutely think he's worried because listen, you also have Jared Kushner, who as grotesque as he is, isn't nearly as crazy as Donald is, saying that they're already looking at media opportunities post-election. That's not something you say if you're totally confident, <laughs> if you're totally confident that you're going to win. So they're hedging well, their bets. my podcast, the heck with him. <laughs> <laughs> I think OAN would find themselves new owners in a heartbeat. Oh, going yeah. in or Newsmax or Breitbart yeah. or yeah, and it would be that level of quality that we've come to expect. Um, but it, you know, Donald is one who's always hedged his bets, even when something is right. almost almost a sure thing, because on deep down he knows that he's so bad at everything. He knows that he's illegitimate, so he has no confidence. He needs to, you know, pay somebody to take us SATs and ask my dad to uh, have his good friend at the admissions department, you know, put in a good word and have my aunt do his own. You know, he just like never is confident that things are going to go his way. And we saw that in the 2016 election as well. So, uh, you know, the hedging the bets thing is completely in character, but it's also a bit of a tell at this point. Oh yeah, well, but I still say, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because you know him better than I, but I think he's got the survival instincts of a New York sewer rat. I... Hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't, right. I'm not saying that he's admitting anything. Um, no, I, no. And I don't think he will. He will admit it, anything at all. Um, no, no matter he'll what. fight to the bitter end, even if it doesn't make any sense, even if the only person he's hurting is himself. Yeah. I, I think that I've seen that much in the White House. Um, his act and, and what he's done and how he conducts himself. He doesn't really care if he hurts himself. He just keeps going. I mean, he is a bit of the energizer bunny on steroids in, in that regard. Um, is it, he, but, you know, I, I keep going back to the title of your book in case you don't know it, everyone, it's too much and never enough. <laughs> <laughs> how, how her family, no, how my family created the world's most dangerous man. Too much and never enough. I keep going back to because it seems like, man, you captured it. In, and was that your idea for the title, by the way? It was indeed. Uh, it's it's beautiful. I mean, you you caught it succinctly, and I mean, it's like he's way too much. But uh, I mean, for us, I mean, I know where you were going with it, but for us watching him, it's also too yep. much, and he thinks never enough. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, it works on a lot of different levels, but certainly you know, just as somebody who is 
unrelentingly in the spotlight and needs to be and you know we're all like ready to jump off a cliff and he's like give me more give me more i need to come up with some other publicity stunt because i haven't had enough of a fix today right and he's always in front of our face i mean my god well in the his last since he got off the uh steroids after you know uh being hospitalized for the coronavirus he has been on a tear and the White House has just turned into a bunkhouse for him. He's there in the morning and he's out for, you know, two or three days out on the road and then he'll come back yeah. for, you know, a little bit and then he's on the road again. Um, yeah. But it's, it is that, I mean, that seems frightening to me on a couple of levels. Is he really well, A, and B, is he just, is he is he rolling the dice? Is he just gambling it all on, on this win? And God mm-hmm. knows what happens if he doesn't. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, think about it. Um, First of all, he's he's a creature of habit in some ways. He thinks that if he does exactly what he did in 2016, he'll win again. Uh, so rallies. It has to be rallies, even if he's dying, even if he's killing other people, who fucking cares, he's going to do rallies. Um, no matter how many people he puts at risk. Uh, the other thing, I just heard this. I, I didn't know this, but he's like been in Wisconsin like every other day, practically. Okay. And he has several <clears throat> more rallies planned in Wisconsin because, and so it's been Wisconsin, he's been in Pennsylvania because that he knows, like it's those three states. I can't remember, was it Michigan? Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Right. That's what got him, you know, uh, and that's the electoral you, college. Yeah, we so, just got renewed guidance tomorrow that he's, well, he's going to Bullhead City, Arizona, Goodyear, Arizona, and then he's gonna end up at the Doral in Miami tomorrow. So. Yeah, and he's trying to, you know, I figure the states he's going to, like Michigan and Wisconsin, Arizona, Florida, these are states that he feels he's losing in, and he's trying to make up some uh, some time in those states, hopefully trying to, you know, pull a rabbit out of the hat. But Yeah, I mean, look, he pulled it inside straight last time, but... Yeah, I don't know how he did it, but... <laughs> well, I mean, there were a lot of things. And what was it? Was it today or yesterday that was the anniversary of James Comey's... That, that in fact... ...trail of his country. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, that probably... I mean, it's hard to quantify these things, but just as like a single act, that probably had more of an impact on the election than anything else. Uh, which is and... why I always said that after the fact, he tried to make up for it. Um, yeah. I think he felt guilty for that but he was never the smartest tool in the shed anyway so i you know i can't no. say that i miss him but no but, i mean just the hubris of him is quite yeah. well the hubris of everyone and and we talked a little bit about this last time but your uncle attracts people that um show fealty to him Mm-hmm. They can show hubris and arrogance as long as they show fealty to him. Right. And it's killing, I, from my perspective, having covered, you know, as many administrations as I have, it, it, it has brought the level of intelligence and experience in that White House down to like, you know, middle school level. Yeah. And it's frightening to, to see it on the outside I don't know how it looks on the outside. You tell me. Oh, it, it looks like um, the lunatics are running the asylum. And they, as you said, they all have like a second grade reading level. Um, there's no dignity. There's no um, knowledge. And there's complete willingness to undermine, con- continue to undermine every single institution uh, you know the 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 quote unquote FBI briefing that DNI Ratcliffe ran just spewing his conspiracy nonsense while the FBI director Christopher Wright just stood by and listened you know did nothing and then when he, it was his turn to, he basically said nothing um, you know that's that's a shape that's a sign of things to come uh, if if, if we are, uh, right. I'm sorry. If, if Donald's around for a second term, you mean? Yeah, I mean, if if we're unlucky enough to to be subjected to four more years of this, or and it will be eight more years or twelve more years, so um, 
it's it's a combination of weakness, um, lack of intelligence, and just breathtaking cynicism. Yeah, and greed. I think there's some greed involved in each one of those oh, people. Part. Yeah, and those, power hungriness. Yeah. yeah, each one of those people who work for him are greedy to put their own agenda forward. And as long as they kiss uh, Donald's butt, he allows them to do it and embraces him. Does it frighten? All right. Two questions always come to mind when I speak of deep. There are a lot of people who are speculating that he didn't have coronavirus. Do you believe he did? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, he, I, I yeah first of all just just in terms of his psychology admitting he was sick is that's like a cardinal sin it just it's an admission of weakness it's unacceptable secondly i have asthma i know what it looks like when somebody can't breathe and he couldn't breathe yeah so that, yeah, that, that day was he, the day he went to the hospital in fact i was at the white house that day and mm -hmm. i had sources who told me they had delayed taking him to Walter Reed until they could, until he had enough oxygen and could walk out there on That's his own because right. they didn't want to take him out in a stretcher. That's right. But I, I think he was sick longer than he lets on. That's what I think. I don't think he got sick that Friday. I think no, I agree. And I also think that um, he was probably asymptomatic for a while. And if he had remained asymptomatic, we never would have known he was positive. Yeah, well, we would know everyone else was because everyone else was still getting tested and he was not. And he would just pretend that he was some superhuman guy who was around all these sick people, did, but didn't get sick. Yeah, I, <laughs> the other thing that keeps coming to mind when you uh, over the last few weeks is, do you think that Donald Trump actually has a plan for a second four years if he has a second administration, or is it just the, or is the goal just to win? Yeah, of course, of course. It's just no. Sorry, that's not that's not entirely true. It's to win in order to um, run out the clock on the statute of limitations, first of all. <laughs> and secondly, it's, it's just what is going to stop him anymore from, well, you know, uh, breaching the emoluments clause at every opportunity. I mean, he's already doing it, but he could be worse about it. You know, what's going to stop him from saying to Mitch McConnell, Bill Barr, and Mike Pompeo, Go ahead, guys. I'm just going to go play golf and steal money from the American taxpayer. And they would be more than happy to allow that because one, he's an idiot and he, he doesn't add anything. And two, I mean, I'm not so sure about Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is just a power hungry traitor. But he's, I think Bill he's a narcissist too. He's, he's oh, smarter are. than Donald, but he's just like Donald. And yeah, he yeah. Donald under the bus as, as quick as Donald would throw him under the bus. Absolutely. And I think Bill Barr and Mike Pompeo would be more than happy to turn America into a theocratic apartheid state. Oh, well, yeah. As long as they get a reach around in the process. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Your words. Yeah, that's, I think I've used those in a column, but yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. You don't, you don't work for the New York Times. I'm no. I, are you kidding? <laughs> of course I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, I, they, they wouldn't have me. <laughs> I don't think I'd have them either. Consider it a compliment. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I do. But <laughs> I do like being able to speak my mind and not having to worry about it after the fact that, you know, Somebody's going to take offense somewhere. I just don't care. But let's, yeah, no kidding. It, yeah, um, yeah. But you're, what fascinates me, you know, in your book, which I read, and what fascinates me and what you've said since then is that I get the sense, and man, you tell it, it, I get the sense that people still don't get it about Donald Trump, that, that there are people who still, I, I you know, friends of mine say all the time, I don't see how anybody could vote for him. I go, well, you don't really understand the mindset. Yeah. But when you're talking to people, and even members, and I'm going to single out members of the press, because I don't think we get it. When you're I talking to, to reporters, do you oftentimes want to go, hey, you're an idiot, you don't get it? Yeah, because, you know, they continue to treat him like he's legitimate. Yeah. He's a, he's a freaking mass murderer, for God's sakes. How, if you then decide that it's more important to ask him about policy, uh, you know, or 
you know, his love letters to Kim Jong-un as opposed to the hundreds of thousands of Americans are dying because he's failed so unutterably to uh, put in place a federal response, then you're kind of missing the point. Well, well, that's what I, I mean. I I watch you, and I don't know how you can control your, yourself because I just I I'm I, you know I have a hard time myself. Just but you know I I do call him out for being a liar, and others say, well, you can't do that, and I go, well, that's what he is. Um, and I don't understand. Like there's I wanted to this one tweet that he sent out today that just annoyed the living crap out of me about the the COVID virus when he was saying, um, uh, well, he says, Joe Biden failed badly with a swine flu epidemic. He knows nothing, all talk and no action. We, we got 225,000 people dead. <laughs> and to me, that seems to be a far worse crime. Um, <laughs> well, for, wait, first of all, the response to H1N1 wasn't a crime. It, or swine flu, whatever, right, it's the same thing. It was just, it was the response and some people did die because it was a very virulent strain of flu that, you know, and it that happens and it was 12,000 people and that's a tragedy, but it's not, it wasn't for lack of trying, you know? Um, this is entirely different. This is willful in action. This is, this is criminal. And then he had a tweet, I think yesterday, was COVID, COVID, COVID. That's the one. Fake news, that's all they want to cover. It should be a campaign violation or whatever. I mean, seriously? Um, so he is just determined to convince anybody who will listen to him that it's not a big deal because that's his preferred narrative because then he doesn't have to take responsibility for anything. And it's it, like, n we shouldn't be talking about anything else. Right, and when he says, when Mark Meadows came out and <clears throat> basically mm -hmm. said, you know, we're, we've given up on any response to yeah. the COVID-19, did that surprise you at all? No, I mean, I think Mark Meadows is a true believer and a, a deeply unintelligent person who is, you know, it always, what, one thing that does surprise me is that Donald is always able to find people weaker than he is, and that's a trick and a half. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, he's like the weakest person I've ever met in my life. So for him to find weaker people who are willing to suck up to him is, is it sometimes does shock me. And Mark Meadows is one of those people. You know, he's not like a Jared or a Stephen Miller uh, or, um, you know, Bill Barr, who's just using Donald to their own ends. He's kissing the ring. Um, right. And it, but it, even so, it, it's a shocking admission, you know, it's like, Hey, you know what? Eh, Nazis, what are you going to do? It's, it's like, seriously, how is that? How is that what we expect of ourselves as the formerly most powerful country on the planet? Right. And, and supposedly one of the, uh, you know, most open-minded progressive countries on the open-minded progressive scientifically advanced richest all of the above and now soon none of the above well yeah and you're a scientist before we go to break the last one i wanted to ask you before we went to break was i've said it it scares me sometimes in listening to the the president of the united states because he he makes me believe that we're in a technological dark ages we're back in the middle ages where religion has this, you know, phony religion has power over everyone and science we don't listen to. And, yeah. you know, he said, I mean, the, the ad that I thought was the funniest was the one where he came out and said, um, if uh, Joe Biden is elected, he's going to listen to scientists. And Joe Biden played the bite and then said, I approve of this message. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, does, as, 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 as a woman who studied science herself, how does that strike you? Uh, to be fair, it's a soft science, but yes, I am a believer in science. Um, and you know, the thing about, let me rephrase, science is not a belief system. Science is a rigorous way to study natural phenomenon, you know, with exp through experimentation. And um, it's like, you don't, 
global warming doesn't give a shit if, it, if you believe in it or not, right? We either acknowledge it or we don't. It exists either way. So what I find most bizarre, um, and I, I, I sort of blame the decades long Republican project to, of the Republican party to politicize social issues and um, train people to vote against their own self-interest by making them think that these social issues are more important than, than their well-being, basically. Nice. So um, for Donald, it's, it's entirely uh, opportunistic. He doesn't care. You know, he doesn't care about evangelicals. He doesn't care about science. But if being anti-science is going to keep him, help him with his base, then he will be anti-science. But it's not anti-science. It's anti-some kinds of science. You know, if they're ill and they go to a medical doctor and the medical doctor diagnoses them with cancer, they will do everything in their power to get all of the treatments that are recommended to them by medical professionals. So it's just things like... Um, Women's right. right to choose, climate change, and apparently now COVID-19. It's bizarre. Well, yeah. And I mean, what struck me was he came out and said, you know, I don't know about this, but this is a cure. It's not a cure, but it's a cure. And everyone should get this. We spent, the American taxpayer spent $100,000 for his medical care. You and I do not have access to the same medical care that he got. So, Wait, Right, exactly. But let's, let's drill down even a little bit further, one of his treatments is an experimental treatment yes. that's developed from stem cells. So he was given a pass by the evangelical community because he wasn't responsible for that particular abortion. So my question to them is, well, do you seriously think, because Donald is now touting this treatment, do you think that that will not increase the likelihood that this is going to be the treatment of choice, which will then increase the number of stem cells? It's just like the hypocrisy and the um, their willingness to um, overlook anything uh, to get their way or to um, keep him from being criticized in any way. It's just incredible. Um, but I guess, you know, what, what, what should we, we expect of people who actually think that Donald was sent by God? <laughs> and on that note, we'll, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Hi, and we're back. I am Brian Karam. The name of the show is Just Ask the Question, and Mary Trump just gave the probably the best way to end a segment I've had in the last two years of doing this show. <laughs> and if you missed it, go back and listen. But <laughs> Mary, I guess uh, in this segment, I'd like to take a look at you. Uh, first, I wanted to expand a little bit on what we spoke about last segment about the hypocrisy. I mean, the new member of the U.S. Supreme Court voted uh, in the hanging Chad incident that every um, and I think it was Gorsuch and, and, um, and the other yo-yo too, had said that uh, every vote should be counted. Now they're going to keep every vote from being counted. Mm -hmm. Where does, does, in your opinion, does, does Donald himself promote the hypocrisy or is it just a hypocrisy of convenience to help him? Is he actively doing it or is he just benefiting from it? Oh, I, I think this has been going on for a real long time. Um, so, I mean, remember the Mitch well, McConnell. Mean, yeah, it has with Mitch, but I mean, with, with, with your uncle, do you think he goes into oh. people and go, look, I don't care. I don't care if you did one thing before and you're going to do, you know, something else this time. I want to win. I, I don't think it's that explicit. I mean, I could be wrong. Um, I think there's reason to believe it may have been that explicit with Anthony Kennedy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and let, let's be real. Anybody who accepted this nomination was de facto a very corrupt human being. Um, and clearly Amy Coney Barrett is both corrupt and opportunistic and unqualified, but that's a different matter entirely. Well, so, yeah. you know, who knows if the quid pro quo was explicit, but we knew 
um, or we found out, and Donald must have known this in advance, that she was not going to recuse herself in the event that the Supreme Court was um, tasked with deciding the election. So Donald couldn't give a shit about Roe v. Wade or Obergefell or- no, he benefited from Roe v. Wade. <laughs> yeah, well, mm -hmm. allegedly. Yeah. Um, but he does care about how the Supreme Court rules if the election gets thrown to the Supreme, if the election results get thrown to the Supreme Court. So somebody, whether it was explicitly or implicitly, made it clear to him that she was his guy or woman or whatever. Yeah. So, so I think the hypocrisy is- um, Implied. Yeah, but you know, he's always been a hypocrite. And I, like, I think that, you know- I mean, he was a Democrat for a while. Look, this is something that's really important. Whenever people say that Donald's not a politician, I, I laugh in their faces because my grandfather um, was connected to political, the, the political machine in New York City for a very long time. And it's not because he had any ideology, which he didn't, just as Donald does not. It was clearly a matter of expedience. Okay, which politician, regardless of, of party, is going to get me um, the tax abatement or is going to get me a favorable deal on this particular property or what have you. And Donald learned from an early age how to play both sides and how to you know, grease the skids or grease the palms or whatever, whatever the phrase is of whatever politics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, we can stop there. But anyway, so he, so he got what he wanted um, in terms of real estate. It It's not about anything beyond that. And uh, the same applies now. So if, if we look at the election and November 4th comes around, let's look at three different scenarios and you tell me how you think it plays out. If Donald Trump loses bigly, what do you think happens? Uh, he will be so narcissistically injured that he will have no choice but to spin it as America's loss. But you he's think the greatest thing that's ever happened to this country. We don't deserve him. And now he's going to do something really important like take over OAN or build Trump Tower in Moscow. So if it's a, <clears throat> and that's if he win, loses bigly, what if he loses? smallly that's <laughs> the it's close that's dangerous um because you know we need to remember that um i mean you i assume you mean it's a close biden victory right right close biden victory and he and trump loses yeah uh we need to and keep I'm in mind how about by uh popular vote i'm talking about by electoral votes because by popular votes, he lost by three million last time. Yeah, no, no, and totally I understand. Trying to say it was because you know uh, all the votes weren't counted, or something. yeah, like if he loses by one state electorally, right? Um, you know that's dangerous because then you know Bill Barr, who's clearly uh, his personal defense lawyer, is going to um, use his position to claim that it was illegitimate and he'll contest it because we cannot forget how many people around Donald are benefiting enormously from his position in the Oval Office yep. and who want him to stay there, not because they give a shit about him, but because, you know, Mitch McConnell's getting his judges, Bill Barr's getting his unitary executive, Mike Pompeo's getting his uh, theocratic apartheid state, on and on, Jared and Ivanka are getting rich. Um, and uh, Donnie, God help us all, is planning his 2024 run. Um, <laughs> that one yeah, makes me laugh every day. It's like Beavis and Butthead do America. I if Donald Jr. tries to run for office, but you know, I would I laughed when Don Senior ran for office, but Donald Jr. is not even as smart as his dad. The thing that I resent. I resent so much that we even have to talk about these worthless human beings, but we do because they've been given power and they're in positions that, that affect all of us. And, yep. you know, um, 
there is talk in certain Republican circles. Is it going to be Donnie? Is it going to be Ivanka? Which just makes me want to jump off cliff. But um, you know, there's also the 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 um, danger for some of them that they too will face prosecution if yeah. this comes to an end. I, I think that eventually, yeah, there's going to be some prosecution of almost everyone involved in the Trump circle. There uh, better be. Yeah, but I, there, I, yeah. It's much less likely if he can, you know, steal the election. Right. Well, it'd be much less likely for him. I, I honestly, I don't know how healthy he is and surviving another four years with what he's done in these first four years would be, um, I, I think that's a challenge for anyone, uh, let yeah. alone, you know, the Donald, but. Well, who's like the least healthy person on the planet. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, he, I, he's, he's, when they say he's got a resting heartbeat of 62, I, I just <laughs> forgot to put the one in front of it. It may be 162 because I've seen him and um, there ain't no way he's an athlete. They just think we're idiots. It's And some of us are, I guess, but it's just so demoralizing. Well, uh, yeah, it is. So what happens, do you think, if, if well, if he wins by a slim margin, I imagine it'll be almost as, heart-wrenching for the country as if he loses by a slim margin. What do you think happens if he wins bigly? Well, first of all, if he loses by a slim margin, it'll be much worse than if he, sorry, if he wins by a slim margin, it'll yes. be much worse than if he loses by a slim margin. But I do have to hope that at least this should be enough to wake the Democrats up and make them fight. Like our lives depend upon it because they do. Um, if he, first of all, he's not winning legitimately he's been cheating in this election for two months now yes so we can't forget that he's using the power of his office to undermine the legitimacy of mail-in voting during a pandemic he's calling upon his armed supporters to commit voter intimidation and he's calling into question the legitimacy of, a, of an election only if joe biden wins that's cheating and we can't yeah. forget that so if if all right and I and I, I I think down ballot I think many Republicans are um, resolved to the idea that they're going to lose the Senate and lose some more spots in the House. So mm -hmm. if if I don't know if the Senate and the House would have enough votes to sustain an impeachment, um, there might still be enough uh, Republicans to keep that from happening. So I'm not even looking at a, a second impeachment. But there was a conversation I had recently with. Uh, with uh, Clinton, Bill Clinton's um, former press secretary, Joe Lockhart, on this show. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he said, look, he thinks that if Donald Trump loses at some point in time, Joe Biden will have a conversation with him and say, listen, either you tell your proud boys to stand down and we'll cut a deal for you and only you and not your, your kids, or if you decide to, to make, you know, to go violently, then, then uh, we're gonna prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. And he thinks that at that point in time that Donald Trump, who is narcissistic, would say, all right, I'll cut a deal. How do I get out of it? Uh, so do you, do you think he would, or do you think he would in, inflame his supporters to go out and riot? He would cut a deal. He'd throw his kids <clears throat> under the bus. He'd throw everybody under the bus, but he should not be offered a deal. This country will never recover from this if he's not held accountable. Yeah, I agree with that. I, and, I, and it would be a betrayal of everybody who suffered in the last four years. It would make, it would be such a black mark on Joe Biden's presidency that, like, I, I mean, that honestly would be in some ways, it wouldn't be as bad or dangerous but it would be more demoralizing than if Donald actually managed to stay in the Oval Office because we would be so betrayed. And- um, Would you be satisfied if he was wearing an ankle bracelet and confined to Mar-a-Lago? Or do you think he needs to go to jail? He needs to go to The Hague. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I know you're not kidding. I see the look in your face. I get it. <laughs> You think he's a war criminal? I do. Crimes against humanity. Absolutely. He could, he today, he right now knows he has all the evidence. He has all the facts he needs to say, okay, 
nationwide lockdown, nationwide mask mandate, six weeks, and we're done with this. He's not doing it. So what is that? T- people. Well, what does he it has- tell you? I mean, you're talking about a guy who paid more in taxes to communist China than he paid to the United States of America, yeah. <laughs> at least for what we know of the last you know few years. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised by all of that, and I don't disagree with you. I don't know. I I wonder if the political will would be there to do it because I've said before, you know, there's two political parties. One is has all one is a party of no heart, and the other is a party of no head. And- <laughs> Yeah, that's got to change. I mean, the Republicans won't change because they have no incentive to at the moment, but the Democrats do. The Democrats have to start playing uh, hardball and not, you know, bringing marshmallows to an AK-47 fight. Um, The good news, though, is that it doesn't matter what, you know, the Democrats at the federal level think. New York State is coming for them. (laughs) And so am I, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so is Eugene Carroll. Yeah, that's, uh, I think you're right. I, I, and I don't, and those are the type of, you cannot, you know, there are those who said that, okay, if he loses this election, he'll step down like the day before, make Trump the president, Trump will, and uh, make Pence the president, and Pence will absolve him and mea culpa and, and give him a pass. Um, but that doesn't absolve him of crimes at the state level. It does so not. He could, get a, he could get a federal pass, but the state's still going to come after him. And I think New York and there are other states that could as well. I know there are places where he's had rallies where he hasn't paid for those rallies. And there are people that are a little PO'd at him right now in several of those states. So it could be, a, it, it could be oh, an interesting time. It, he will spend the rest of his life fighting lawsuits and um, prosecutions. Uh, and maybe he'll end up in prison. I think that is the only just outcome, but who knows because he, uh, he's in the Oval Office, but um, you know, whatever the case, he will be fighting for his freedom and for his financial, um, whatever that word is that I can't think of at the moment. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so- Right. I, one of the things that you said, I, I actually did put in a column. You said he'll be fighting these things for the rest of his life, come hell or high water. I, I said it a different way, but I don't think the Donald Trump show ends if he loses. Donald will just take his show and move it somewhere else, and he'll still be ranting and raving in whatever way that he can and putting himself in front of the public because I don't think he... I really don't think Donald Trump exists unless he's in front of a camera. Oh, no. And this is something that people don't understand about him and they really should because it's, um, it is one of the easiest ways to um, help people understand just how psychologically disordered he is. Donald is the same in every single situation. He's the same in front of a camera. He's the same at a rally. He's the same in an intimate conversation with his wife or his children or his grandchildren in the event that he ever sees his grandchildren. He's never, he is, he has no um, interior life. He is all, uh, to use some, a bit of jargon, he's all false self. So that's really- No cattle as they say in Texas. Precisely. And that's dangerous. That's a very dangerously disordered person. But um, yes, but on, the other, but on the other hand, he is, as he claims, the most transparent president ever. <laughs> you know, there is there is some truth to that. It's just yeah. not what he means. Yeah, it's not, it's not, but he is, I mean, I, I see it on him when he... You know, there are times when I, I look at the guy and I go, I, I, is anybody else noticing what I'm noticing? Because he, you know, the last run in, and, and I'm, there's a couple other things, but, but the last run in I had with him, I think he picks, I, I think he, um, he is attracted to people who are independent. I think that he notices, you know, that in other people. And I also think that he can only exist when there's some kind of 
conflict and he needs that conflict to be because when I sat down that day in that briefing room and I said, come, you know, win, lose, or draw, will you agree to a, a peaceful transfer of power? And he, and he couldn't do it, which yeah. is actually one of the easiest questions I've ever asked. It should be like, of course, this is a democracy. Right. 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 But he couldn't do it. But right. I know he, he not only looked at me and again, winked at me, and I keep thinking we're dating, but he, <laughs> he, he chose me first. And, and he points that he's, and you can see in his mannerisms, he's looking for that connection with other people to fight with them sometimes, or to, I think it makes him feel alive to, to have it. Look, he thrives in the midst of chaos and division. So you're right. Yeah. But, but it's more than that. Okay. Because he can't, he can't, he can't, he can't sustain it. Right. Like we saw what happened with Leslie Stahl, who is now getting death threats. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, simply because he asked, like, not even particularly difficult questions, and he had a temper tantrum. So it, you know, it takes him only so far, but you're right. He does. There are two things. First of all, the experience you had is the experience I had with him when I was younger. Like, I think one of the reasons Donald and I got along is because I was not a yes man. Like yep. I didn't buy his bullshit. I mean, I didn't, you know, I wasn't clashing with him by any stretch of the imagination, but I wasn't telling him how great he was, you know, and I had no interest in any of that stuff. And I think he kind of liked that, you know, um, just as he knows that you're not going to let him off the hook and throw him softballs. The other thing though, that I think is even deeper than that. And I I'm sensing this even more lately I think that on some very deep level, Donald is desperate to tell people the truth about who he is, but he just can't do it. And that explains the projection. And it also explains these sort of quasi omissions, like at the second debate, when he said, I take responsibility, but it's China's fault. <laughs> you know, he just like, he wanted to confess, but he couldn't quite get over the line. So he had to withdraw. Um, so because his projections are so blatant that it just, it's just like, he's dying to let somebody know this is who I am, you know, accept me, but he can't accept himself. So that's why, like, seriously, that's like one of the main reasons we're it's like heavy. dying right now. Yeah. That's, yeah. but I think you're absolutely right. I noticed that myself and I, and I, it's like uh, someone had said that deep down inside, there's a part of Donald Trump. That's a little boy who just wants to be loved. And that would be me, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, yes, that would be you. <laughs> it would be me. I Do mean, I'd rather be able to Vaguely, yeah, like really vaguely. But in quoting your book, but I, I think that that's that um, the truth of that is is goes so deep. I think that you're when he, I've seen it in his face where I think he's trying to give up the facade and can't, but I cannot for the life of me understand why, and you maybe can explain it to me better because I still don't understand why people who have spent any time listening to him can still embrace him. I mean, and I'm not talking about the people who work for him or with him, because mm -hmm. as you said, they have their own personal motives for doing yep. it. But those who still uh, find themselves voting for him or defending him, who are not racists, who are not, you know, have that, uh, you know, are misogynist or greedy or the upper 1%. The people that are in the middle class, black voters, white voters, Hispanic voters, people who are just trying to go out and make their way like the rest of us and aren't particularly political still support him. And I cannot for the life of me understand why. I think there are two reasons, um, you know, on the one hand, um, we are raised in this country to respect and listen to our leaders. Not everybody can pay attention to what's going on. You know, we've got people having to work three jobs to support their kids. We've got people who are terrified that their health care is going to be taken away from them or they don't have health care. And now we're in the middle of COVID, which makes everything exponentially worse and more terrifying, right? So if you um, 
are a Republican who gave your trust to the person you voted for, whether it's a congressperson, a governor, a senator, or the guy in the Oval Office, um, you're gonna you're gonna take them at their word. And let's just use COVID as an example. Why would they lie to you? Why would they tell you not to wear a mask, not to social distance, if not doing those things could get you sick and get your children sick and your parents sick? Why would they do that? So it makes, like, that's the only thing I'm willing to cut them slack on. I mean, you're trusting the people you were told to trust. So, and, and think about it, like how trust operates in our lives. Like every day we put our lives in other people's hands, whether it's yeah. you know, trusting somebody to stop at a red light or trusting the bus driver not to be high on cocaine or the pilot not to be drunk or whatever, right? Well, so, yeah. <laughs> so, right. So there's that. Um, so weird that I would use that as an example. Yeah. Um, and then um, on the other hand, we've got, you know, there's a significant percentage of people in any culture that has authoritarian personality disorder. And these are weak people who identify with weak leaders. And the reason they identify with them is not simply because they're weak, but because they seem to have overcome that weakness and become strong men. So there's this, I, there's this, you know, this unconscious identification that kind of hinges upon this idea that they too someday can be strong and successful. And we see, we've seen this for decades with um, lower- Doesn't that end when, you know, he says, shoot up Clorox? I mean- No. Listen, one of the hardest things for people to do is admit they've been wrong. Yep. You know, they are much more likely- I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm sure even admitting that was hard. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, you know, so we can't underestimate um, how uh, powerful that is, um, and it's it's very similar to what's happened uh, in the Republican Party with convincing um, like working class and lower middle class people to vote against their self interest when it comes to lowering taxes on really wealthy people, because the idea is. You know, there's this thing called the American dream. And one day I'm going to be one of those really rich people. And I'm not going to want to have to pay more than my fair share of taxes. Ain't never going to happen, bub. (laughs) Well, right. But they're, you know, it's hard to accept that. Yeah. Well, with that thought, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Thanks, and uh, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I'm your host, Brian Karam. And a couple of final thoughts tonight, Mary. Uh, First, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you and Patty Lapone and one of my favorite people on the planet, Ann Champion. I am so ecstatic about this. I can't even tell you. Um, A few weeks ago, I I had an idea to put together a press conference of... um, experts discussing different aspects of uh, the government um, to help the American voter understand the comprehensive nature of the damage that's been done to our institutions in the last four years, um, from the First Amendment to the Justice Department to the CDC and the arts, etc. And you know, it started with like looking at it through the frame of um, a psychological assessment of what happens when the most damaged person in a system is also the most powerful person in a system. So with that small idea in mind, I started reaching out to people and I have ended up with this just extraordinary panel of experts in their fields, starting with the extraordinary Annie Champion, who uh, you know well. Yes. Um, <laughs> she has been somebody who, for both of us, has been, uh, she's the aptly named Annie Champion. I mean, she's just extraordinary and brilliant and uh, just one of the kindest people I've ever known. And I'm proud to call her a friend. 
Um, so she'll be talking about uh, the First Amendment, but with a specific focus on the White House press corps and what <laughs> has happened to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happened to it. Start. Doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. So um, you know, and how that happens, and I mean, we have people like Maya Wiley. We have people um, like you know, brilliant the brilliant social psychologist Susan Apatow and the brilliant Laurie Garrett. They're all brilliant, so I'm going to stop saying the word brilliant. Laurie Garrett, Kavita Patel. It, I mean, it's this panel just like blows me away. And um, just to round it out, I guess <laughs> speaking about the arts and you know what happens to the arts when um, they aren't sufficiently respected, and what happens uh, when crisis strikes, as it has with COVID nineteen, we have. I'm so, I laugh every time I say this because it's the most extraordinary thing ever. Patty Lupone starting <laughs> us off. And, um, you know, I saw Evita when I was 14. And then when she was in Gypsy a few years ago as uh, Mama Rose, I saw it five times. <laughs> I am not ashamed to say. She and this is, is a virtual event. Just, this is a virtual event because we wanted to do it live in DC, but there were too many complications. We're very mindful of COVID. We want people to feel safe. It's a hoax, So, you know, you other know than that? the, I'm sorry? It's a hoax, damn it. Don't you know that? Oh, shit. If I'd known that, I would have done it live <laughs> in DC. Damn it. Why didn't you tell me that? Um, so the I just like the way you delivered the line. That was, a, that was a nice flat delivery. You, you sold it real well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've taken my cue from Patty LuPone. Yeah. Um, seriously, though. Like she's an incredible activist in in order in in addition to being Patty Lupone. So um, the media will be there, and uh, you know we'll we'll have the recording of it on a website. But also, hopefully, you know we'll have coverage later, and I'll be doing some stuff on Twitter. Um, so the the point, you know, in addition to showing people the comprehensiveness of the damage, is also though to help people feel that they have agency. It's not to demoralize anybody. It's just to be really clear-eyed about where we are, but also hopeful about where we can go. We still have something called the vote, you know? So, so that's, that's the goal. And I'm, I'm really, really, really excited about it. I'm thrilled you're gonna be there. I think it's, yes, it's gonna be great. Let's end this, hopefully on a hopeful note. Uh, are you hopeful for the future? I always am. I, I this may seem weird coming from the family I come from, <laughs> but I'm actually an optimist. Um, you know, and when I say, when I give some grim assessments, sometimes it's not because I'm being cynical; it's because I'm being realistic. And I think if we if we aren't realistic about where we are, then there really isn't any hope because then we're deluding ourselves, right? So I'm always hopeful as long as because there's always a chance. Um, Hope we'll ha obviously have a much better chance if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris get elected than we will uh, otherwise. But um, I think we've learned a lot in the last four years about how vulnerable we are and how fragile our systems are. And I, I'd like to think that that will help us um, change our behavior going forward. It will help us be more connected. Um, you know, because one of the things that's been awful is to see this country become so mean-spirited and to treat things like kindness as if they're moral failings. Um, or a weakness somehow. Yeah, just like, just like my family. Um, and yeah. like, I feel like being kind is sometimes the hardest thing to do. I, I really am bothered by that as well. It's one of the things that I find most distressful about what we've been through in the last four years. It's the ability, and I think it's exacerbated by social media, where people aren't really able to converse with one another, but right. can just throw pins at one another Anonymous. and then retreat to the, you know, the underbrush and, and dodge that. But, and then real pointed political observation has been supplanted by um, personality. And that is, difficult to deal with as well. I, I was always raised to be as 
hopeful as ever. And I still do have hope, but it, it's frustrating to deal with people who it's, it's so binary. It's so black and white. It's either or. And I don't think that people are either or. I think they're more complex than that. Yeah. And I, I actually was, um, I drove to Poughkeepsie this weekend to have the lunch with my daughter who just had her 19th birthday. And on the way, I got stuck in traffic because of a, a Donald Trump parade, which <laughs> I took video in case people don't believe me. It was so fucking stressful. SUVs, pickup trucks, honking their horns like they're 12 with flags. And like every fifth flag said, Trump 2020, fuck your feelings. Yeah. And well, I thought, you know, if these, what if we said to these people, imagine what your child's life would be if people said that to them. If people said to your seven-year-old child who was being bullied or had hurt herself or whatever, fuck your feelings, kid. You know, nobody cares about you. Like, is that really how these people want their children? To, is that the world they want for their children? And I think, I think sometimes that's really the lens we need to look at it through because we owe so much to the youngest generations um, yeah. that, you know, they're not thinking about like their, their racism hurts their children, their misogyny hurts their children, and they're saying things like, fuck your feelings hurts their children. Yes, it hurts everyone. You know, there's a saying that um, I read somewhere, we all do better when we all do better. And mm -hmm. that's hard for, uh, I mean, people voting against their own self-interest, the lack of education, all of it is, is frightening to me. It's like every time I, I see an America love it or leave it sign with a Trump Pence flag and then a yeah. Confederate flag. Yep. And, I, and I'm going, you know, this does not compute. This, but it, it doesn't. And yeah. I and like you, I, I I think about you know we we owe a debt to our unborn progeny and those of us that you know have progeny now. Your yeah. nineteen year old daughter, my twenty five year old son, all of them. We owe a debt to them to give them a world that's better than what you and I grew up in. And you know there was a time, honestly, when I, I thought we were that close, you know, that the things were going to get there. It's about yeah. the time we were all wearing the same wide ties in the seventies before Ronald Reagan came in and we were all listening to bad disco and wearing the elevator shoes. Burns. Yeah. The yeah. Sideburns, you know, everybody had an Afro, even a white guy, you know, <laughs> I thought, all right, well, we're almost there, but you know, I, you know, you can't even watch. Yeah. You know, I remember the movie, remember the Titans. And that was 50 years ago that you went oh through God. that. And today we're re, visiting something that we i thought we had taken care of 50 years ago and we haven't but i do like you i do have hope and that's because there are people like you around to be honest i and i appreciate you for for being around um, oh thank you i think that <laughs> I, appreciate I, I, I do i i think that you know and the more you can make people aware of what's going on that's why i, I can't wait to see how this goes down tomorrow in the press conference but you know, I think making people aware of the situation and educating them is, is, is key in making it uh, happen further down the road. So here's the last question for you. All right. It's <laughs> your right. idea of a perfect day. Mm. Never having to hear my name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking barbecue, music, you know, deserted island. Oh, you mean like like in, in normal times? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Um, like, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, being on the beach, um, you know, either on Cape Cod or in the Caribbean uh, and just relaxing, reading a book, going for a kayak, being on the water, being in the water um, and hanging out with my kid and just you know relaxing for the first time in probably 6 years. And what music is playing? Oh wow. Um I have very eclectic tastes, but um like you know, let's see. The Who, huh? Pete Townsend, Tori Amos, Ella Fitzgerald, Mozart, Bach, I mean any of it, all of it. Love it. You know, <laughs> just like to be able to 
You know, part of it too, it's, it's, it's. You gotta being, start with Bob O'Reilly. <laughs> sure. But just being able to, because right now it feels like everything's just sort of background noise and I can't really, like, it's hard to read. I'm a reader, it's, but it's hard to focus. It's hard to, like, music is just in the background. Like, I want to be present in a way that I feel like I haven't been in a really long time. And I think a lot of us haven't been in a really long time. So that would be a perfect day to be in a beautiful place with people I love and actually being able to pay attention and not waiting for like the next catastrophe. Well, we'll check back with you after November 4th and see if we can all do that. <laughs> Wouldn't Mary, that be nice? It's been a great pleasure having you again. And the name of the book, you wanna name it again? If I can remember it, I believe it's called Too Much and Never Enough, How My Family Created the World's Most Dangerous Man Who Will Hopefully Soon Be Just the World's Biggest Loser. <laughs> Thanks again for being with us, Mary. My name is Brian Karam. The name of the show is Just Ask the Question, and we'll catch you next time.